All right. Well, hey, everybody. Thanks for joining me for another episode of PRI Talk. Um, quite a few things I wanted to uh, talk a little bit about today, and uh, and um, hopefully this will be a, a quality conversation. Um, want to talk about the Olympics a little bit first, um, and then get on to some things uh, that I saw on Instagram that I thought would be fun to talk about. So um, the first thing with the Olympics uh, really is the, the Simone Biles kind of situation. And, um, obviously she is the, the greatest gymnast probably ever and will be, um, I, 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 potentially she gets dethroned down the road, but I think realistically the, the things that she's done in the last eight years, um, are just crazy. Um, and so um, she's the best by far. Uh, and so I think the people being critical of, of her are, are certainly, um, misstepping at a minimum, probably not understanding the situation, probably don't want to understand the situation. Um, and I think there's a lot going on here. I'll try to not go down too many rabbit holes, um, which, which I sometimes can do. Um, but, but I think, I think the, 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 biggest thing to point out, um, at least in my opinion, is she is a stud athlete and has trained and worked hard and tuned her body and mind to do all of these things um, physically and both mentally, obviously. Um, but, but the physical part of it, she's trained her body to do all these things that literally the Olympics are saying are too dangerous. Um, and I don't want to get into the, the, the score, the scoring part too much only to say that, um, it, it should be, uh, kind of, a, a standout, um, notion that here is this athlete that is literally doing things that your committee thinks is too dangerous and, and devaluing them. Um, and I think that had definitely a part to play in, <clears throat> in what was going on. Um, but she knows her body. She knows her mind. The only person that could probably make that decision um, to not continue in the Olympics. And I think uh, she did the beam yesterday. Uh, if I was scrolling through Instagram correctly and have my dates right, she did the ended up doing the beam yesterday and getting bronze. So good for her. So for um, for getting back at it and and hopping on the beam and and doing what she uh, loves and is obviously great at. Um, but there's not anybody that could um, make that decision for her. this decision had to be um, she had to make that decision to bow out of the Olympics or not out of the Olympics as a whole as, as they bent uh, bow out of the event. Um, she had to make that decision. There's not anybody else that can make that decision. Um, and, and she knows because she's trained and worked mentally, physically, uh, emotionally, right. Um, to get her in a position where she can do these things that are deemed as dangerous, uh, by her sport. Um, she's really the only one that can make that decision. And, and I think when it comes down to it, and I don't know, um, I, I don't know if maybe they did the best job of, of presenting everything that was going on. I think that was probably part of the, the backlash, not trying to say that it's, it's justified in the situation, but, um, I think as the, the as, as kind of the, the, the hours, really went on 
um, more started coming out about what was actually going on. Um, and, and I think once, once the, the, the twisties, um, kind of, uh, diagnosis came about, I think that that seemed to make sense to everybody. Um, and so I don't, I, I mean, my, my only, not, not really a negative, but I, if that was the case, I, I feel like they, I wish they just would have said that from the beginning. Um, but, uh, but, but with the, with the twisties, uh, diagnosis, if you want to call it that, I don't know if that's the right word for it. Um, obviously she couldn't go on physically. Um, and, and when you're twisting and turning and flipping and you can't tell up from down or when you're supposed to land or where the floor is, obviously, if you watched any of the videos that I think she posted, or maybe someone else posted of her trying to do, um, just a basic dismount and she's landing on her, on her butt and on her back. Um, and, and obviously was, was really struggling, um, trying to get her equilibrium is not the right word, but just get, get balanced and figure out where she is. Obviously, if you can't do that in her sport, um, then, then you shouldn't continue. Um, and, and, and good for her to say, Hey, I can't do this. Good for the people around her. Um, knowing the type of competitor she is and knowing the type of athlete she is that, uh, I mean, it's not like she's just like, nah, I don't want to do it today. Right. I think that was some of some people, their impression of it was like, nah, I don't really feel like it today. And that, that wasn't, that wasn't the case. Um, I mean, if you can't land on your feet in that, in that event, in that skill, then, then you shouldn't do it. Um, so as far as the, the why, obviously there was a lot of stuff, um, going on. Um, as I said before, kind of at the beginning, the, the point aspect of this, um, the, uh, of her skills being devalued, I think had a huge impact on it. Um, there was, uh, I saw someone, I think this is from, uh, Rachel Adams, um, posted on Instagram, the, the screenshot of, uh, some sort of doctor. Um, and they said, I'm seeing anxiety and depression among athletes more than ever. It is a pressure cooker and few have the coping skills to manage the unknown. Okay. Um, so not being critical of anyone, just saying the seeing anxiety and depression among athletes more than ever. And, and, and I think if, if you were to ask me, which obviously you are, um, I think social media has to account for a little bit of this, right? About for this anxiety and the depression and the, 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 um, the, the mental health aspect of all of this. I think social media has to, to take the brunt of that. Uh, in my opinion, I mean, here are athletes, uh, Naomi and Simone, both, they are, um, I mean, they're kids for lack of a better word, right? They're young in their twenties almost have grown up with cell phones, uh, grown up with, um, uh, with, with smartphones, with iPhones, right. Um, for, for a majority of their life, certainly more so than, um, myself. But w- when you have that kind of life and world that is so connected to social media and so connected to the likes and so connected to everyone saying things about you, Um, I mean, I just, I can't imagine, um, just the, the, the mental pull that that has. I mean, it's why I'm not on Twitter. Um, and I was on Twitter for a little bit, uh, don't really understand Twitter, didn't really understand Twitter, 
Um, but now all I see on Twitter is just, it's just a dark abyss. It's just a hole and it's, it's mostly garbage. I feel like is on Twitter, right? Um, there, there's very positive, very few positive things that come out of, of Twitter. Um, and especially when you have people when you're giving people the ability to just say whatever they want, um, and maybe they get some quote unquote social media backlash. Um, but for the most part, that's not going to impact really anyone because it's just Twitter, right? Um, that's one of my one of my favorite things to say is just because it happened on Twitter doesn't make it news, right? It's one of my big frustrations with quote unquote journalism was when I see an article about this thing was trending on Twitter and and social media had an uproar about this. And it's like, just because it happens on Twitter doesn't make it news, um, in my opinion. So um, so that that's kind of my quick take on the Simone Biles thing. Obviously, like I said, she's the only one that can understand um, probably her, her or knows her body. And if she couldn't do it physically, if, if that competitor and that athlete, if, if she can't say, yeah, I'm, I'm 100%, I'm going into this, then obviously there's there's a reason um, for that, and and I think it was uh, completely justified um, for sure with with the with the health aspect, um, physical health aspect for sure. Um, the the mental health side, I, I don't want to dive a ton into this, except I, I'd like to because I, I'm my goal is to get some other people on here with me and talk more about it. Um, but but here's what I see. I'm always a, a, a look ahead pessimist type person, right? So. Um, and we live in a very unforgiving, graceless culture. Um, and, and so, well, I'm not surprised that, that, um, that, that she's, that, that Simone was getting the support that she was getting on social media and other, and, and, uh, um, uh, Naomi got the support that, that she was getting. I'm not certainly, I'm not surprised that they were getting support in those situations, um, what what I foresee as a problem going forward is people not getting the 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 grace and forgiveness and support down the road, um, at least not in college athletics. And again, I'd like to dive into this further, talking to some other people. But um, I, as 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 someone that was a coach and dealt with administration, um, I I do not think that that side of athletics cares about their student athletes, um, at least not to the point that we really need to in order to make this a legit thing. Um, and, and so I think I worry about the athlete that says, hey, I can't really deal with this right now and how that situation happens with with the coach and with the, the administrator. I worry about the coach that says, hey, I'm not in a really good place right now and I need you know, um, I need break. I, I worry about the, the, I'm worried about my mental health. I'm worried about, you know, my family or I have this going, whatever. I'm worried about how the administration is going to handle that. Again, the, the college athletic side to kind of tie this into volleyball is very much a business. And, and those people that are, that are a lot of the people that are supporting from afar, they're doing it from afar. And then if that were to be right in front of them, if you're an athletic director that has to deal with this kind of situation, you're not going to want any part of it. I, I just throw that out there right now and people can argue with me about that and that's fine. Um, but as, as someone that had had an athlete with 
some um, mental health issues. I won't talk specifically about those, um, but that athlete removed herself from the team and from the sport and for all very good reasons. Um, my athletic director threw that back in my face. Um, and, and so again, I don't, I do not see the, the grace and forgiveness coming from a, a top down perspective. Um, amongst peers and amongst people who are removed from sport, yes, I definitely think that that will will garnish some support and things like that. But from from a, from a top down um, business style uh, athletic department um, uh, situation, I, I just don't see um, the the grace and forgiveness happening down the road um, in in any sort of similar situation as to what we've seen with uh, Simone and Naomi uh, with, as far as dealing with mental health um, stuff. Maybe that will change. Um, but again, I'm not, I'm not going to be super hopeful uh, about that in that situation as someone who sat there and seen it. Um, just, just, uh, just the, 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 the lack of caring and thought um, about the the situation from an administrative perspective just really blew my mind um, how how they could quickly and and so easily turn turn something in where you have a situation to help um, a situation where you could help and a situation where I helped um, that that the people above me chose not to help not only not to help um, but then twist that into um, something so negative uh, and completely disregarded really all the, all the issues that were, were going on with, with that student athlete. So um, again, I'm not super uh, hopeful that, that we are going to give uh, the same grace and, and um, not forgiveness, that's the right word, but the same grace um, to other athletes in, in similar situations, unfortunately. Okay, so next, uh, there was, um, kind of, this is kind of Olympics, but it, this is uh, stuff I saw on, on social media um, that I thought would be kind of fun to talk about. Um, so, obviously, in volleyball for the Olympics, one of the athletes getting a lot of attention was Jordan Thompson. Unfortunately, she, I, I didn't see anything uh, in the last couple of days specifically. I don't think she played the other night. Um, something with her ankle got hurt. Unfortunately, that was a huge bummer. Um, but, but someone posted, uh, basically to be uh, this quote, to be successful in volleyball, you have to play power five. And then they point to Jordan Thompson went to a mid-major and all this kind of stuff. Okay. So Jordan Thompson obviously is a stud volleyball player for sure. Um, there's, there's really no doubt or argument there. Um, my issue is with this, with this, um, see, you don't have to play power five to, um, uh, to be successful in volleyball, which, which we should always be saying that. I don't know why, I don't know why we have to point to a singular athlete who's been successful, not playing power five to, to, to have that banner. Shouldn't that always be our banner? Like, shouldn't it always be? find the best college fit, find the best situation for you and go there and play and have a fantastic experience and help them get to the sweet 16 like Jordan Thompson did at Cincinnati. Okay. Um, uh, why, why isn't that something we always say, but that should be just a standard. 
right? Um, and, and if more and more people said those things, then this wouldn't have to be said, right? Um, but but I think the, the the problem is for whatever reason we we co- are constantly pushing this power five, power five, power five, the brand, the brand, the brand, right? Um, and, and Cincinnati's no, you know, it's it's still an FBS uh, conference and school. Um, and so obviously they're no, no joke, right? I mean, they're a good program, good volleyball program. Um, but, but I, I, I hate that we are constantly pushing this narrative, right? And then, um, and then when, when we see an, an outlier, right? Then we point to the outlier and say, Hey, see, isn't this great? See, you don't have to play in the power five to be good. You don't have to play in the power five to get that, whatever, um, that you, you know, you you can, you can wear a hat or you can wear a sweatshirt from a non-power five school. See, you can, you can, but, but the rest of the 360 days out of the year, we're, we're pushing kids in the direction of a power five. Um, or, or we tell them, well, you can play in the power five and so you should, right? So that, that's the narrative piece that I don't like. The mid-major thing, we've got to come up with another way to describe the FBS schools, right? So we have the power five and then we have mid-majors, which, is, which classifies 270 schools, which are all so different, varying from athletics. Some have football, some don't. Um, we gotta, we got to come up with a new way to, to classify the Division I volleyball after outside of the power five, I, I think. We've got we to gotta figure out a way to do that. Um, maybe that'll be a discussion for, for later on. Um, but the other piece that I want to say, right? So, um, you have to be successful or or in order to be successful volleyball, you have to play in power five. And we pointed to Jordan Thompson and see, you can do it. Right. Um, but, but the, the problem with that still is look at the Olympic team roster. Okay. Let's, I have to have it right in front of me. Um, just going down Penn state. Illinois, Nebraska, Nebraska, Purdue. Okay, then we got Cincinnati. Then we got Illinois. Then we got Pepperdine. Okay, so we got two. Two so far outside of the Power Five. Cincinnati, Pepperdine. Then we got Stanford, Penn State, Nebraska, Texas, Stanford, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Minnesota, Penn State, right? So so it, it's, it's, it's nice to say... Right. But but the hard part, what's hard to get maybe across to athletes and get them to understand is if they actually go look, right, hey, you can be successful outside of the power five. Okay, yeah. Who's who's playing in the Olympics? Well, uh, two out of the 18 athletes on the roster uh, did not play at a power five. Most of them, most of the athletes that that played in the power five, according to this, I played in the Big Ten. Right. So. I mean, it's, it's, it's still a hard sell. And until we do a better job of, of on this side, telling kids that you can be successful, uh, just like this person was doing and saying, and I agree, you can be successful um, outside of, of a power five school. I a hundred percent believe that we just have to actually say that on, on any sort of consistent basis um, so that athletes on this end start to believe it. Okay, um, because I, I don't think that we believe it on this side. Right. It, it's good to point to the outliers. 
um, like Jordan Thompson and, and Kim Hill from Pepperdine, it's, it's great to point to them and we definitely should. Um, but, but we, we have to start teaching athletes that they can, they can go other places and, and, and still play volleyball and still be really good. Um, so that's my, that's my Olympics talk. And that one was actually sort of, sort of internet as well. And we'll be, we'll be right back. Okay. So the last thing I want to talk about today, just things that I see on the internet, um, that are, uh, I don't know, the, the Jordan Thompson thing isn't, isn't silly or ridiculous. It's just kind of, Hey, like, let's, let's have a real discussion about this. Um, the other thing, uh, that I saw and, and I'm going to, I am going to give, uh, USC a hard time. I will, I will call them out on this. Cause I think that this is, this is a, this, this is a semantics issue and this is a, a, a narrative issue. And, and we, we have to, we have to be a little bit more realistic about, about what's, what's going on. Okay. So USC posted, uh, it was a reel or a TikTok. I don't know the difference. Someone explained it to me. Um, a video about one of their outsides and she's a really good, a really good athlete, really good volleyball player. Obviously she's playing at USC. She's playing in Pac-12. I'm not trying to diminish any of that whatsoever. Um, when people, but they posted this video of her playing, when people think undersized outsides can't play in the pack, right? And then they have the video of, of this, uh, this player. Okay. When people think undersized outsides can't play in the pack. All right. So this athlete, um, her name is, um, I think it's, is it Bree Shermer? Sorry. I'm only looking at the statistics last name. Um, she is on their roster listed as six one. Okay. So, but before I got dive into any of my statistics, um, I can think of very few people that would consider six one being undersized. Um, maybe in the middle position where we would talk about six one maybe being undersized. Um, but I'm I'm kind of I, I, that's a stretch, right? Um, so maybe if she was five nine, uh, maybe if she was if she was five ten, right? If you're telling me she's five eleven, then she's either five ten or she's six feet, right? So I I I I'm not gonna buy that uh right off the top, I'm not gonna buy that a six one uh athlete is is undersized on the outside. I don't care what conference that's in. Okay. And there were lots of other people that commented the same thing, like, oh, undersized is above six feet, right? There were there were other comments on on this page. But me being the statistics person that I am, I wanted to go, all right, so what is undersized in the Pac-12? So I went and printed off the Pac-12 stats, uh, hitting stats from this last season. Now, obviously, COVID year, and so there's going to be some different variables in there, whatever, Okay. Um, top 50, uh, total kills, um, hitters is, is what I, what I printed off. Okay. So the, the kill leaders in the pack 12 total kills, kill leaders in the pack 12, um, from this last volleyball season. Okay. Um, first thing again, not trying to, and this is going to sound like I'm being kind of being a jerk, but, but this player that they're talking about number four, number 46 out of 50. Okay. Kills um in 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 the pack 12 so what i did was um but that's that's what i did was i went through okay um started with number one uh the number one where is she i can't find her uh, 
Number one, uh, May from UCLA. She's 6'3". Okay. She's the number one uh, in the Pac-12 in total kills, 359. Total kills, 4.3 kills per set. She is 6'3 from UCLA. Number two on this list is uh, Drews from Utah. Uh, 344 total kills, 5.2 kills per uh, kill set. She is six feet tall. So you're one and two, six, three, and six foot. Okay. This athlete, again, labeled as six, one. Okay. So I went through all of them. Um, I took out uh, the top 50 kill leaders. I took out anyone that said just middle or just opposite. If they were as an opposite outside, I kept them in the mix. Okay. Just as a, as if you're looking, if you, you want a copy of my statistics, that's what I did. Um, so I went down and, and tracked everybody. You've got 29. I counted 29 outside hitters or your outside slash opposite. Uh, 29 outside hitters in the Pac-12 in the top 50. Okay, so you've got 20, 29 uh, outsides. You've got a mix in there of, of middles and right side only type athletes. Again, if they were only listed as a right side hitter, I went on the roster. Um, I only know what's in front of me. Okay, I don't know everything about this. Um, not a Pac-12 expert, just looking at the info, right? Um, so outsides, 29 total, right? Um, <clears throat> just going through the heights, okay? You've got one at 5'10", four at 5'11", uh, six at six feet, four at 6'1". You've got eight at 6'2", which that's the, the most um, at 6'2". There were more 6'2 outside hitters than any other height. Um, three at six, three, two at six, four, and you got one six, five outside hitter. Okay. So again, the claim is undersized outside hitters can't play in the pack, right? So if, if we classify six, one as undersized, right, then that's our line. Six, two is then become normal. Six, three, six, four, and five all become normal. Okay. So I drew the line in between six, one and six, two, right? You got 15 of the 29 athletes um uh 15 of the 29 athletes outside hitters top 50 kills 15 of the 29 are 6-1 and below okay 14 are 6-2 and above so statistically in the top 50 you've got more athletes that are quote unquote undersized than you do regular okay so so then the question is is that really undersized if if majority of your hitters in your conference are if if 61 if 61 and below if the majority of the outside hitters in your conference are 61 or below okay does that one does it still make undersized but you you then have the majority of your athletes are that size right so then so, so then why the claim that outside hitter, undersized outside hitters can't play in the pack? Obviously, they can, right? E even by this classification, which I don't necessarily agree with, okay? Um, but even by the 6-1 and below being undersized classification, saying that they can't play in the pack 12 is, is just, it's not true, okay? So this does a couple of things. So I, I, I can share pictures of my statistics on social media if you guys would like. But um, my, my problem with this is the, the notion that it creates, okay? Um, the, the undersized piece, um, 
have to have an undersized discussion. Five, six one is not undersized, right? By by any stretch. Okay, um, you've got a, a five ten, four five eleven outside hitters um, in the Pac twelve. Six six foot outside hitters. You've got eight six two outside hitters. Okay, um, and, and I know an inch uh, height wise makes a big difference and vertical and all that kind of stuff. But um, I, I think the the impression that that you give is is you know um maybe this athlete is more of an outlier than than really she is um which again she's really good she's playing the pac 12 not trying to say anything about that but 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 she's not she's not undersized according to the 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 mix of who's in in the conference okay and it is obvious that athletes her size ish right Six two, you've got eight outside hitters in the top fifty. Um, if if you just went uh, within one inch, okay. So let's just do six two, six one, and six foot, okay. So just an inch around six one. You've got. Uh, let me do the math. Eight uh, plus four is twelve. Plus six is eighteen. So eighteen of the twenty nine athletes in outside hitters in the Pac twelve are basically that height within an inch. Okay, um, I, so I, I just don't I don't necessarily understand um, the, the the point of that. And, and again, my fear is if if I'm a kid and I'm five nine or maybe five eight, and other people would classify me as quote unquote undersized, and I see that, I go, oh, maybe I'm not going to look right. But but people have told me I'm undersized. And so if she's undersized, then I can play in the Pac-12, right? There's one, one 5'10", outside hitter, top 50 kills, that's playing in the Pac-12 right now, okay? So, and, and, and I know a lot of those coaches, they're probably not going to look at the 5'9", 5'8", outside hitter. They just aren't. The, the 5'10", kid uh, from Utah, right? I don't know. Where is she from? She is from Utah. She's the other outside hitter. Uh, there's the, the Drews and then the, the five ten Robinson kid from, from Utah. Um, obviously she's really good. Right. Um, and, 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 but really even according to this, the, the six, five outside hitter is only one and there's one five ten. Those, I mean, those two are, are outliers, right? But for the most part, what you're going to find is more in the middle in the, the six, two, the six foot and the six, one athletes. Okay. Um, so, so, Six one isn't undersized, right? Six one is probably about normal for outside hitters in that position. So I just, um, I'm not really mad about it. I just, I, I think we, we have to, we have to have a, a, a semantics conversation about what's undersized, right? And, and then actually have to look at who's actually playing in Pac-12 and what what size those athletes are. And again, this is just what's on their website. It could all be wrong. All the websites could be lying to me. But I just went off what was posted on there. So, so silly things I see on the internet. Um, kind of want to talk about that, but, uh, but that was it. So I, again, I, it's kind of silly to me. I'm not sure what, what, what the purpose of that was, what they were trying to get. Obviously she's really good. She's a fantastic athlete. Um, but the, the undersized kids can't play in the pack 12. I don't, I'm not, I'm not sure where that, where that comes from. So there you go. That's it. USC, don't be too mad at me for that. All right. Well, that's it. Thank you guys for listening. 
and uh, coaches are people too. Hey everyone, thanks for listening. If you have found this podcast interesting, helpful, or beneficial, or you're just a huge fan of myself, then please think about donating to the PRI Talk podcast. I would love to continue bringing you recruiting advice as well as information on current volleyball events, and your support can definitely help make that happen. Hey everybody, thanks for listening. If you would like more tips, updates, or recruiting assistance, go to my website, privolleyball.com, check out my blog, or reach out to me directly if you have any other questions. You can also find me on social media, on Facebook and Instagram at Parallel Recruiting Initiative. If you need specific recruiting help, I have a couple different ways I can help you. Please reach out to me on my website or social media. Thanks for listening.